0: Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Phoebe. And this is our companion episode to It's a Super Life, the 100th episode of Supergirl. And we're doing more of a traditional episode walkthrough as opposed to a topic – for the special event episode and walking through some of the major themes that have popped up before, actually, in this season and generally, starting with do no harm, which was kind of a big deal for Carr and Lena in the episode, hmm. non nocere, which is a term one might correlate with being a doctor or associate with the Hippocratic Oath. However, it's not actually directly quoted in that. But an evolutionary matter when she was on our show actually talked about some of the principles that doctors use or refer to when treating patients, one of them being beneficence, which is like benefiting a patient, and then non-maleficence, which is not hurting a patient. And you may remember the term non-maleficence by associating it with malefic and his name, which was basically bad men do bad.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and non-maleficence is then not hurting a patient. And the ideas sound similar, but they are not actually synonymous.
1: No. The The main difference between them is that the word beneficence implies you're adding something, generally speaking, something positive that will affect the outcome of a situation, whereas non-maleficence means you're avoiding doing something that will make the situation worse.
0: Yeah, well, it's basically like you're not adding anything negative either. (laughs) Yeah. And these concepts are... Generally, like weighed against each other. And the idea is that the potential for good, for adding good, must sufficiently outweigh the potential for adding harm to a patient. And practically applied to this concept of non maleficence and non nucere, it's a reminder that sometimes not doing something or just not doing anything at all is better for the situation or the patient. It's generally not used as like a promise not to ever harm anyone in any degree, but as something to keep in mind because obviously we know that doctors do sometimes in the process of trying to help people harm them to a degree. Some harm that doctors will consider worth it are like side effects for medication. Obviously, surgery is quite a bit of harm and so is chemo, but those are both potentially life-sustaining actions, but they are not without their consequences. And in the medicine sense, we make the same kind of choice of accepting a certain degree of harm when we even watch a movie or a TV show or read a book. We go through struggles with the characters, but we know that in the end, it'll be worth it for the journey, for the lessons that we'll learn, and the potential for catharsis. But Lena has decided that all the things that she suffered in her life were uselessly painful. And this is something that hope expresses to Lena that all the anguish that you've gone through, it doesn't seem worth it. So that means that hurting others in any way is at its core wrong to Lena. And we see in this episode the sort of worst version of lena that we encounter says my goal is as it always has been to protect you from harm (laughs) and she's obviously this like
1: dictator figure and the people are not happy (laughs) presumably well you don't know that the only people who were out there violating the curfew were the super friends who were rule breakers (laughs) (laughs) um it's an educated guess i'll say (laughs) (laughs) But you mean people don't like living in a dystopian dictatorship?
0: (laughs) I mean, but Kara has also adopted this concept of do no harm and is applying it to herself and her actions as opposed to maybe Lena's sort of outward broad view that no one should ever do harm to anyone. Kara has internalized the idea so that she believes that she should never harm anyone and specifically Lena. And related to that, Kara's end goal's that she mentions in this episode are fairly lofty, like the concept of do no harm, like keeping everyone safe on Earth is a pretty expansive goal. And then when she is explaining why she wants to go into the past and change it, she says that she's changing history to save history. So there's a degree of like, if I fix my friendship with Lena, there will be positive results that ripple outward. But in the process of doing that, Carr is very much tunnel visioning on her relationship with Lena.
1: It was nice to see the extension Of that problem of focusing very narrowly versus looking at the big picture with Kara in this episode, especially because we just talked about how prominent it was in last week's podcast episode. And Kara has always struggled more with this when she's in a crisis and kind of at an emotional crossroads. One of the other times that really stands out is you think back to in season two when Alex is kidnapped and Car getting so focused on wanting to save Alex that she has to be prompted to look at the bigger picture. And then also we saw it again in season four. Yeah,
0: we talked about it in the episode in season four when Kara was so focused on finding Lex that she missed her coworker Franklin camping out underneath his desk and just overheard his conversation and started talking about things relevant to her quest to discover Lex's plans. And by the end of the episode, she realized that she had been overly myopic. That's how she explained it. She also has an issue with, in a crisis, on the other end of the spectrum, having Having too much of a focus on the big picture in terms of, like, in season two when she was worried that wanting to save Lena and then Monel on the ship made her selfish and, like, what that meant on a grand scale that she wanted to save her friends versus, like coming up with a plan to accomplish all of her goals and got Kat to kind of recenter her there. And then obviously last week with her trying to look forward into the future and see the whole of her relationship with William before they had even started it. (laughs) And Wynne obviously helped her shift a little back into reality and what was in front of her. But in this episode, she's having that opposite problem of the narrow focus and taking things maybe too much one step at a time, which was Wynne's advice.
1: Well, And that kind of goes back to the issue of Kara, when she thinks she's made a mistake, will overcorrect a little to the extreme. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh (laughs) And we see her kind of like
0: want to see each like sort of scene was how it was portrayed after she made a change in the timeline and like observe stuff that didn't really matter to her process. And Mixie's like, this is exposition. Well,
1: but yes and no, because there were also points at which she was like, yes, this is the solution too soon Mm -hmm. because she was so focused on one singular part of it that she didn't look at the rest. Yes,
0: but she was also very much like, I going to watch what's in front of me right now, as opposed to mm. thinking steps yeah. ahead and being like, let's just let this play out a bit. <laughs> and she repeatedly needs to be reminded that like the bigger picture exists.
1: Which is why I kind of <laughs> joked to you that Mixie arriving and dispensing with Kara's normal support system reminded me of like how in Disney movies, the parents are always dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because in order to have those emotional journeys and those revelations, like your support network being there is like a cheat (laughs) in a way. But it was fun to see Alex be present when Mixie shows up because they have very different reactions (laughs) to some of the things that he's saying. And his offer to Kara results in them having very different understandings of why Kara might want to accept his offer. Specifically, Alex frames it as, well, if you think this is the best chance to set things right with lena before she hurts someone with that being the key part thinking back to alex whose background is as a doctor who also was thinking you know reduce harm to people versus Kara looking at it as how would you put it
0: <laughs> she starts with the friendship and then kind of is like well they'll have these positive other effects <laughs> which not
1: Totally wrong, I guess, depending. <laughs> um, yes. The other part that was funny in that opening scene and where it makes sense to me that they took Kara's support network out of the equation is that when Mrs. Pitlick starts explaining and showing the video of all the things that have transpired between Kara and Lena, Kara is fixated on the video. Alex is the one who is watching mixy. Hmm. Yes. And kind of assessing whether he's serious, if he's a threat, all of that. And then I did laugh because then he comes over and says, I know you don't trust me. And he's talking to Kara, but like he sticks his hand in Alex's face and is clearly meaning like, she doesn't trust him. <laughs> like, yeah. The bigger um, uh, threat in terms of
0: trust. Yeah.
1: Well, because Alex would be the one who'd talk Kara out of it. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. But, you know,
0: kind of like that moment where Kara's like, too busy watching the screen, which featured Lena giving her speech about how wronged she feels, Kara kind of follows the line of Lena's feelings and that sort of thread. And she starts off with like how Lena was upset that Lex was the one to tell her. So she tells her before Lex can. But then that doesn't work. That doesn't work. And then in that timeline, Lena is upset that Kara had two identities and was interacting with Lena in different ways. And Kara follows this line of like, oh, well, so she thinks I'm a hypocrite because of these two versions of me. So we'll have to do it before we have that argument. And then she decides that Lena's upset because Kara just didn't tell her early enough and then goes right before they actually form a real friendship and essentially goes earlier and earlier and earlier within their interactions because of just the way that Lena frames it.
1: Throughout this whole kind of journey backwards, Kara keeps trying to look for the origin point of the conflict, if you will. And she can't find it because the origin point of the conflict is Lena's worldview. And mm-hmm. no matter what she does or how she does it, if Lena doesn't want to make that change to her own perspective, nothing Kara does will fix it. Mm-hmm. And the other problem here is that Kara, in tracing events backwards, becomes so micro-focused on these specific incidents with Lena, where she's like, oh my gosh, I made her mad at me, or I made this mistake, I did this, that she forgets major things that happened in her own life, like... Almost dying, uh, or the witches in season three staging the eclipse that again, like almost killed her. Uh, <laughs> to the point that Mixie's like, okay, we can't trust your judgment anymore because you are looking for such small things that you're gonna die. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like watching a cartoon of, like, a little kid who wanders out into traffic, like, to chase a balloon or something. And there's a truck barreling down the the road. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that is actually
1: (laughs) a good comparison. (laughs) And then Kara finds a timeline that she thinks is the solution. And it's very telling the way she frames it. She says, this is the timeline where I truly do no harm to Lena. Mm -hmm. And that is her focus However, every single timeline that she tries, not only has she forgotten about things that majorly impacted herself, she also has forgotten about the context of those events and the ways in which her choices performed a greater good for the world at large because she was seeing kind of beyond this single thing in her life and remembering the importance of what she stands for as... Kara and also as Supergirl, and what Supergirl represents to everyone else besides Lena. Hmm.
0: Yes. <laughs> One example that comes to mind is when she grapples with telling the world that Cara Danvers is Supergirl and saves Lena's life when she makes that decision. And then Cara cut to, you know, her watching it. And she's like, I've always been so afraid to reveal my identity to the world. But look, it saved Lena. And it's like, that's that's one, of course it did, number one. But like, that's one effect. And you were afraid of it because of
1: the other thing that happens. <laughs> yes, all
0: of the other things that can happen. And
1: Cara experiences so many of
0: her fears along with, you know, those hopes that she had with regard to Lena. And she sort of hones in on the positive results that she can get within that relationship and is then blindsided by the fears that she had initially. About what would happen. And why she made those decisions to begin with.
1: And I really liked the fact that that realization of both Kara getting all the good that she has hoped for, but also seeing all of the things she was afraid of. Mm -hmm come to life being part of that timeline because it fused season three and then season four which was really centered around the issue of hope and fear together and kind of pulled the whole of supergirl's universe from season one all the way up to the present Mm. into being in a way that was very cool and also disturbing
0: (laughs) (laughs) and also disturbing especially because in season four Kara's identity was sort of this subtext in terms of her being an alien so having all those elements at play are a lot (laughs) So Kara achieves sort of the perfect outcome with her relationship with Lena in one of the alternate timelines. And she almost immediately tells her that she is Supergirl. And as a result, we see all these positive effects in their relationship that, like, Lena is willing to keep Kara's secret even under pressure. And they save the world together as partners and work in tandem without that conflict that we have seen in previous seasons in our timeline. Did you just quote Wicked on purpose? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) And then Kara says, you know, the world sees Lena for the hero she really is. And You see her face and she's like really genuinely happy to see positive effects for Lena in her life and for them to have a really solid friendship.
1: I'm laughing at your accidental <laughs> <laughs> reference to Wicked just now because there was a line that Kara says to Lena, the imagine what we could do together, which sounds very similar to a line from Wicked between the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Which is fitting because, well, one, obviously, we had the for good episode, which was
0: sort of the... That turning point. (laughs) That was like right before (laughs) things started to get more contentious with Lena and Kara. And Lena's like, the reason I don't go down a dark path is because I have friends. (laughs) And you've talked about before how in Wicked, Glinda and Elphaba wanted to be friends and partners and work together and kind of imagined what that might look like and how great their partnership would be. But it never really came to fruition in kind of a tragic friendship way. Which is a nice
1: yep. parallel here. <laughs> it was a great choice um, <laughs> as, as a symbolic representation of what is happening here. Yes.
0: But even early on in, you know, the nice kara friendship timeline, when she tells her in a way that Lena is happy with, right away there, there are still like red flags that Kara would have to ignore to be comfortable that early
1: on. Yeah, there was the, Lena's reaction after uh Kara reveals that she's supergirl is like, Well, I guess I should recall those alien detection devices and you as the viewer thinking back to how much Kara hated them are like, Yes And she's like, Well, cause clearly they didn't work very well and it's like <laughs> uh oh. That's a real lesson. <laughs> So close oh. and yet totally wrong. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, obviously, Lena learns from that experience of being Kara's friend in a more genuine way in that world because you see all the little like newspaper headlines about them taking down like anti-alien forces <laughs> and helping people and whatnot. And she clearly still made the image inducer because mm. we saw yeah. a surprise Otis Graves using it.
0: From beyond the grave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> So the
0: nice timeline with Car and Lena wasn't exactly perfect either. Well,
1: and certainly not by the end.
0: <laughs> no. But that takes us to Kara's fears coming true to contrast with all of her hopes with Lena coming true. And these fears of Kara's are proven systematically to be valid. <laughs> they sort of walk them through.
1: <laughs> yes. Across every timeline. <laughs> yes.
0: And Kara's first attempt to tell Lena the truth in a season four scene, essentially, Lena (laughs) immediately leaves and then runs straight to go tell another person Kara's secret that she just told her. And like after years, finally decided that Lena was a good person to tell. And then Lena immediately goes and tells someone that Kara hadn't decided she wanted to know.
1: And also, I joke to you, Lena left without even having lunch. (laughs) Which is truly cruel. (laughs) Terrible timeline.
0: Uh, And Lena, in one of the timelines, doesn't help Kara save people because of their rift. She comes back later on, but a bit too late as things escalate and everyone dies there, which takes us to the death portion of Kara's fears. In that same timeline, Lena dies because of it. Yeah, that's the season three timeline. Yes. And then in the season two timeline where Kara tells Lena, her secret immediately. Everyone she loves dies because of it. Like literally everyone. Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that this was a smart way to demonstrate consequences that have been fairly intangible for Mm -hmm. us as an audience number one. And then also Kara now, like in the storyline, has lost sight of those consequences and lost sight of the reasons that she made the decision not to tell Lena in certain circumstances the fears that she had, which were very real and valid and, and possible. And they don't feel possible because they didn't happen. But that's because the heroes usually win in our timeline.
1: Yeah. Well, they also feel kind of abstract to Kara because most of the people she surrounds herself with are also superheroes in their own right. Mm-hmm. And they're, generally speaking, capable of handling themselves. Yeah. So it's it's hard to determine risks. <laughs> yeah. Kara's sense of the vulnerability of the average person does not necessarily extend to her closest friends and relatives. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and going back to this idea of doing no harm and Kara in this episode focusing on that and losing sight of like those fears that she had, which were rooted in negative impacts for the greater good and for more people in her life than one individual. When she goes to confront the version of Lena in the worst timeline where she is a dictator, she says, you and I want the same thing, a world with no harm. And then she refuses to hurt Lena in retaliation for Lena attacking her with kryptonite. And then what happens is that Lena would have killed her had Mixie not taken them out of that timeline. And it seems that Kara comes away with the lesson, and we do as well, that's in situations with self-defense or defending others or in a myriad of different situations, sometimes people are going to be hurt. And sometimes it's an acceptable level of hurt for the benefit of the greater good, which is more at the root of who Kara has been historically as a hero and her values. And we see, like even in this episode, it's sort of demonstrated in that Kara (laughs) is quite emotionally exhausted, as she (laughs) expressed at the end of all of these events. But ultimately, they helped her and made her life better. And it's interesting to see some viewer reaction to the confrontation, which we'll talk more about, that Kara has with Lena when she tells her that she's responsible for her own actions. And implies that she is behaving like a villain. Some viewers kind of have that narrow focus of, well, couldn't Kara have avoided hurting Lena's feelings by implying that she's a villain because that's the thing that Lena is sensitive about? But that pales in comparison to all of the benefits that come from confronting Lena and letting her live with her own mistakes and holding up a mirror to her, as James put it once. And the idea like, which is more important, keeping Lena from feeling sad about what she has done and what she's planning to do, or A, letting Kara set healthy boundaries for herself, which we'll talk about, and B, protecting Earth, and then C, helping Lena to confront her own mistakes and and grow in that way. And then in terms of non-nucheri and how it's practically applied – We have the lesson that sometimes not intervening and not trying to fix something is better, which is definitely a lesson that Kara can learn. And to get to sort of Kara's emotional journey in relation to this question and the reason that she is focusing so narrowly the way that she is, we have the concept of responsibility. And we've talked about before how Kara has a core belief of responsibility along with her, you know, abandonment one. She's got a little collection where she feels responsible for things in a way that is not healthy for her, fairly similarly to things that we've talked about with Alex. (laughs) Yeah. But with kind of a different slant to it. Kara feels responsible for everything, generally. And this sometimes results in weak boundaries, which was a topic that we've talked about in one of our podcast episodes. This season. Yes. Some examples of weak boundaries and a sense of responsibility that Kara has are when she, as we oft cite impersonated Kat in a letter to her son, Adam, to prepare their relationship, which is not something Kat consented to. And then also, fairly recently, Kara, this season, breaking the law for Lena and breaking into a government base to get something for her to make her feel better. And even though Kara decided that it wasn't one of her values, she was still uncomfortable with it. And then after she did it, said that, friends like you, there are no boundaries, which we talked about how that isn't healthy. (laughs) No. (laughs) And in season one, going back to Kat, she expressed to Alex, Kat's problems are my problems, to which Alex replied, you need boundaries. And this idea of like her problems are my problems applies to a lot of situations for Kara with Kat and particularly recently with Lena and throughout their relationship. And so if Kara feels that she is responsible for Lena's well-being and Lena's well-being is so tied to whether or not Lena is doing good, as we know about her core belief then Kara begins to feel responsible for Alina's decisions that she's making. In the first alternate timeline that we see, Kara expresses to Lena as she's coming out to her that the tragedy is the world has made you cynical. She lists all of these things that happened to Lena to shape her to be the way that she is. And she frames it so that these external influences are at fault for the way that Lena interprets the world and her own beliefs. So that sets the stage for Kara thinking that Lena is not responsible for herself and her own actions based on that worldview. We also see, obviously, Lena repeatedly blame Kara for things. For instance, when Kara comes out to Lena in the season three timeline, Lena blames Kara for Lena's own choice to isolate herself when she was helping Sam, a choice that she made not to trust Supergirl, who she had previously had a very positive working relationship with. She mentions how much she suffered in that situation. She said, I believed I was the only one who could be trusted to protect her, to save her. And I went through that terror alone. And the idea is that it was Carr's fault that Lena had those beliefs and that Lena made that choice.
1: Yes. And it completely erases the fact that in the original context of that scene, Sam specifically asked Lena to bring in outside help, mm-hmm. including both Supergirl <laughs> and Alex. And Lena is now framing that to Kara as I went through all of that alone Mm -hmm. with no help thinking I was the only person. And like, no, you chose to think that Yes, Sam specifically asked you to bring other people in. Uh
0: And Supergirl had not done anything sort of recently to make Lena distrust her. She just made that decision. Yeah. And Kara, for her part in thinking that she's responsible for Lena's actions, eventually comes to the realization that telling Lena her secret before the time she told her in our timeline never actually makes things better overall. And then she again blames sort of her own decisions and her own impact in Lena's life. She says, I think I've been too scared to admit it to myself, but I think Lena would be better off if she and I were never friends, which is kind of a do no harm move, I suppose, where she's like, I'm going to take myself completely out of it. And then when she changes the timeline so that she was never in Lena's life, Lena and then blames her for not being in her life. (laughs) She... (laughs) actually directly blames Kara, and this is the dictator version of Lena, for the trauma that her family inflicted upon her. She was like, where were you when my brother blew my helicopter out of the sky, when my mother dragged my broken body to a laboratory and experimented on me instead of fixing me? And this is like the most literal transference I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And transference is the psychological concept of... Taking something that happened to you in one situation and blaming it on the person in front of you. Yes. (laughs) So <laughs> in
0: the past, she has sort of blamed her feeling distrustful of people, which was actually a result of the emotional abuse that she experienced into her adult life, on Kara because she slighted her in various perceived ways. <laughs> perceived ways.
1: Yes. And the other thing that's very… Striking about Dictator Lena, so the bad place Lena, is that her rationale and her accusations at Kara are very similar to the reasons that Alternate Universe Ben Lockwood ultimately gathers the Children of Liberty and murders Kara's entire family because he blamed Kara for his family's decision to join the cult of Rao Mm -hmm. and then declared her as the person responsible for their deaths because she didn't save them, despite the fact that they chose to like jump off a building. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And you're seeing Lena do essentially that same thing, where no matter what Kara does to please her, there's always something else she didn't do. Mm -hmm. And there's always some reason that Lena's behavior is Kara's fault. Yeah.
0: Which takes us to our timeline, wherein Lena blames Kara for her decision to kill Lex. And we see this at the beginning of the episode, that scene when Lena blames Kara for this choice that she made. I killed my brother for you. Don't you understand what you've done on the screen? And I appreciate that they showed that sort of confrontation scene from 507 when Lena finally reveals how she feels about everything to Kara because it parallels a scene from this episode when Kara confronts Lena and certain elements are shared and others are inverted. In the scene from episode seven, Lena blames Kara for her actions and In doing so and and stealing Myriad from the fortress, positions herself as an antagonist to Kara. And she says, I'm not a villain you shouldn't have treated me like one. That's her final line. And in doing so, essentially blames Kara for the actions that are taking place, which seem very villainous. And in this episode, Kara goes and tells Lena that she, in fact, is responsible for her own actions. She says, I'm done blaming myself for your bad decisions. And from now on, you're accountable for your own actions. And she positions herself in a way as an antagonist to her now. It's like she's finally registered disturbed the way that their relationship has become. And her last line is, I will do everything in my power to stop you just like I would any other villain. And then the music that played when Lena said she's not a villain also plays here, when is saying that you are behaving like a villain, essentially. So we've seen throughout the season, various characters say outright that Lena is not a villain. Obviously, in the parallel scene, Lena herself said it. And in this episode, Sam tells Lena that you were never the villain. You were always the hero. And Kara expresses, oh, in this universe, the world sees her for the hero she truly is. But these events eventually culminate in Kara realizing that Lena's actions are worthy of the same treatment that she would give someone who she considers to be a villain. Mm
1: -hmm. But there's room in there for growth, Mm -hmm. because the point of emphasizing that in some universes, Lena can be heroic Mm -hmm. means that maybe (laughs) with some uh, soul searching... She'll realize, like, yeah, she can do it, but she needs to do it because it's what she wants for herself and not because she's trying to emulate Supergirl or prove a point to her brother or her mom. Mm-hmm. She needs to want it for herself.
0: And overall,
1: it's not Carr's
0: responsibility. Exactly. <laughs> Healthy boundaries. <laughs> yes. And and Carr coming to this realization is nice, but <laughs> it's also fairly interesting given some stuff that's sprinkled in throughout the episode. At the beginning of the episode, she tells Alex and John that When the fight comes, I don't know if I have what it takes to stop her.
1: That was a very interesting statement from Kara because she has in the past been so certain that she will make the right decision. And actually, in Season 2, that was the the test that she faced as a hero was could she put her personal feelings aside and do the thing that was the right thing for everyone, even if it came at great personal cost. And she did. And she has consistently done that. And we saw in Season 3 that when she didn't trust her own instinct about how to handle the world killers, how to handle the situation with Rain, that was when mistakes happened and lots of people died. And the Mm -hmm. same thing happened here. When Kara tried to go back and undo her own judgment, everybody died. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) And it's interesting that she says this at the beginning of the episode that she doesn't know if she has what it takes, because it gives me the impression that Kara knows on some level that the way that she is perceiving the situation isn't right.
1: Yeah. And you can see that in the way that she responds to new Mixus Pitlick when he tells her that all of Lena's reactions are her fault and she is responsible. She's very taken aback (laughs) by it, which means that deep down she did know Mm -hmm. that it wasn't really her fault and just hasn't wanted to face it because, well, because Kara's is bad at loss yeah. and doesn't want to think about the change in her life and in her thinking mm-hmm. that will have to come from that because it's big and it's scary and it's lots of work. Yeah, And then Kara does what Kara does best when she is in an emotional crisis,
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. which
1: is go find the people that she cares about and ask them for advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was really cute that she saw as they were skimming through her life that Monel was there and was like, Oh hey, let me get his point of view on this mm-hmm. because obviously Cat Grant wasn't available. So <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: But it- It's interesting because, like, that contrast between her wanting to seek out the advice of others and then also being taken aback when someone confirms what she is expressing. Because Mixie essentially reflects Car's feelings back at her throughout the whole episode, from Mm -hmm. Car feeling bad about her own decisions to crying (laughs) in certain situations. And it forces her to make discoveries on her own and... Decide whether or not she trusts the view that Mixie is reflecting back at her. So, as much as Kara wants advice from others, and, you know, we talked about earlier in this episode, Alex being there as like kind of a voice of reason (laughs) in situations. Yeah. Kara really needed to work through the problem in her own headspace in a way. And in a very like analytical way, almost, honing in on small things and then seeing the ripple effects, how they really look, and walking through the logic for each of the things that she doubts about herself. And then another element that is related to Kara's sense of responsibility that she has to work through during this process is self-compassion. So Kara's over-responsibility and kind of like the need to be perfect, which <laughs> the Danvers sisters, you know? <laughs> they are good at that. <laughs> yeah. And this fear of making mistakes really puts... (laughs) Kara in a stressful situation in this episode.
1: It does. And I really enjoyed that Mixie seemed to know that that was the problem and that he was Mm -hmm. there to really push her buttons and make her think about it because as soon as he offers her the opportunity, he kind of, in a very impish way, goes, well, don't mess it up, which is like Kara's one fear (laughs) that has been driving her throughout this Uh entire experience. And he already seems like he has a sense of the direction that Kara needs to go Mm. even before she gets started, which which was fun. Yeah, I like that. We know Kara has
0: a problem with, like, the weight of the world on her shoulders. Yes, very Atlas (laughs) Greek mythology of Mm -hmm. her. And she's even expressed it to Lena before in an attempt to get Lena to understand her better, that she sometimes gets really stressed out by all the things she feels responsible for and how she can't risk making any mistakes. And in this episode, she, even in the alternate timelines, you know, feels responsible for those worlds, like, rightfully so. But she says, I have made a terrible mistake this world's my responsibility, she says to Mixie. And she also expressed that she apparently has like constant anxiety that her secret will get someone she loves killed. She says like every morning I wake up, I imagine this moment, the moment where being Supergirl gets someone I love killed and I have to push that fear so far down or I can't get out of bed. Yikes. Yeah.
1: And that's kind of an interesting observation that you made because season five is the first time We've seen Kara openly acknowledge that she struggles with this feeling of anxiety, particularly when it is related to what might happen to her loved ones, mm. her city, the world she protects. She mentioned back in 507 that she feels like she needs to punch things when she gets anxious because the energy's just pent up mm. and she was also very stressed out over her relationship with Lena, and that actually was the episode when Lena confronted her and was like, yeah, I have known and I'm mad at mm-hmm. you. I've just been pretending I wasn't so that I could use you to get a thing I wanted. Yeah. So nice catch yeah. there. <laughs> yes.
0: And obviously, Cora's relationship with Lena just amps up the sense of responsibility and anxiety over making mistakes because of the way that Lena sees the world and, and how personally she takes decisions that Cara makes and it makes Kara feel perhaps even more anxious about not making any mistakes, you know, that idea of doing no harm than usual. Mm. And throughout the season we've seen her feel worse and worse about it in terms of guilt. And she tells Monel in this episode that she hopes that Lena forgives her, but I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive
1: myself. And Monel, in a nice nod to Car's previous observation that his advice has gotten better over Over time. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. He kinda turns to her and says, You know it's okay to mess up. And to him it just seems so obvious that she should know that because she gave him so many opportunities to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And I loved the sentiment that he expressed to her because it really encapsulated that he does understand her mm. on a fundamental level and recognizes that she deserves the kind of compassion in return that she shows other people. And And he also recognizes that like, he wasn't that person mm-hmm. at the time that he had the opportunity. Yeah. The other thing that I liked about it was it's really similar to – the message that Kara received in actual reality in season three when she was home with Alex and Eliza and Eliza kind of called her out in almost very similar language. She told Kara it was okay to be a 20-something with a life that was a mess. (laughs) Uh, um, But she also expressed that same sentiment that was like You know, Kara is so open and so compassionate, cares so much about other people, but she doesn't show herself that same forgiveness and compassion in return when she feels like she makes a mistake. Mm -hmm. But then to see Kara realize the truth of that was really powerful in this episode. Yeah,
0: it actually reminded me of this great quote from Buddha's Little Instruction Book by Jack Kornfield, which is stuck with me, which is that if your compassion does not include yourself, then it is incomplete. Mm. And that's kind of an area where Carr as a character has for a couple seasons now needed to grow to include that compassion for herself. And that quote has also reminded me of Lena at times. Mm, yeah. And how she has had troubles with expecting perfection from herself. And we also know that she has had trouble with this concept of compassion with relation to Car, and that has caused rifts in their relationship several times. And when Monel says you deserve the same compassion that you show others, that reminded me then of how Lena is struggling with with that now and struggling to understand Kara's perspective and why she made the decision she did.
1: Yeah. The moment in this episode where Lena kind of criticized Kara in the same way that the Alex who didn't remember Kara being Supergirl mm-hmm. was like, well, you don't know what it's like to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You have this Lena being like, you don't feel pain when she's got the Metallo heart, you know, thinking back to like Wizard of Oz parallels, you know, like the Tin Man Who Has No Heart. But also it's a really nice inversion of the fight that they have in season three Mm -hmm. when they're in the Valley of Juru and Kara kind of has a go at her about what kryptonite poisoning feels like to kind of get Lena to understand the weight of her decisions and the kind of consequences that they have. Mm -hmm.
0: But a couple of characters who, in this episode and historically, have been very compassionate with Kara are her space family of Alex and Jean. And they support, obviously, Kara not second-guessing herself in that realization that she comes to.
1: Mm, Speaking of inversions of things that have taken place in seasons past, in a way, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the contrast of Kara's recognition that Lena either needs to accept reality for what it is Mm -hmm. and move on or not versus the moment of Kara really taking in how much her family means to her and the fact that they have been there for her through all of the mistakes she has made related to living this dual identity and like literally alex has been there since day one and some of them have been kind of minor and some of them like the red kryptonite that nearly got both jean and alex sent off to cadmus as a result (laughs) um we're pretty big. Yeah. And that hasn't diminished the strength of those relationships. And so to see her really appreciate that was nice at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm.
0: And it kind of reminded me of when Kara in season three expressed to Lena that when you're family, you can say the things that you need to say and that things will still be all right in the end. And that comes from that foundation of those close to Kara and how particularly with Alex, they both can make big mistakes or say mean things, but because they are compassionate with each other and understand each other, they can move forward. And it was nice to see Alex and Jean and their reactions to this Sort of dysfunctional friendship that Kara has with Lena. And Sean actually called the events
1: of the episode a fifth dimensional intervention, which is a little bit funny because he did not want to intervene in Kara's emotional wallowing in season three. Yeah. But clearly they had like concerns
0: (laughs) (laughs) about not just, you know, Lena's side of it, but the way that Kara had been interpreting and acting. And there needed to be some sort of intervention in those actions. And I also thought it was interesting and a nice sort of touch. That Alex, you noticed, looked sort of surprised. Yeah. When she saw the scene of Lena blaming Kara for her killing Lex and then saying you shouldn't have treated me like a villain.
1: Yeah. And you know Alex would of course be like "Kara, you didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And her face
0: is kind of surprised and like a little bit aggravated probably both at Kara for not f- expressing the full range of everything that Lena did and the way that she behaved in that episode which Kara initially didn't want to tell Alex about. Mm-hmm. And then also probably at Lena. <laughs> also definitely a little <laughs> bit at Lena. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because you know No, that's not something that they do in their family. And it was nice to see for Kara, after all of these episodes of her being so guilt-ridden and stressed over this relationship and Lena's feelings, which she doesn't really have any control over, Mm -hmm. to have her be in a place where she feels centered with people who will look out for her. Mm.
1: Which we saw that manifest itself in some really subtle but lovely ways Mm -hmm. throughout this episode, like Jean walking in with the pizza (laughs) was adorable even if that pizza box was clearly empty because he would have (laughs) ruined the pizza it was sideways (laughs) it's a martian pizza box that's why it's shape-shifting pizza um I liked how he said, hey, girls. Yes, his very casual dad energy was really <laughs> adorable. We also got to see, like, Car and Alex hanging out without a lot of stress in it. And mm-hmm. Alex's sense of humor was peeking out a little bit, which she's always stressed about something. So <laughs> that was exciting. <laughs> it's nice to see when they, like, have some some light material. Which they needed because the other moment that we got was cruel in the best way. Truly. (laughs) And you,
0: you, Vivi, have been upset that we haven't had a Thanksgiving episode this year.
1: And now we have. (laughs) And it was the meanest thing and thank you. Yes.
0: (laughs) Alex visits Kara's grave because Kara died in the season four timeline. And she says she's sorry for not visiting her at Thanksgiving. And then she puts food on her grave. Which,
1: like, Uh. really? (laughs)
0: Like, that's just a cruel thing.
1: (laughs) And I really appreciate it.
0: Because we all know that Kara loves food. And to see Alex be like, here's this thing you love.
1: Well, and because we've talked before about how that kind of little casual gesture of affection is a thing that was really prevalent throughout the family dynamic between Kara, Alex, Jean, and then Eliza mm-hmm. for all of the season. So like, that was just like the nail in the coffin, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> correct. <laughs> I mean, like that was also the only time Kara was brought to tears by watching <laughs> one of her universes. So
0: yeah. But speaking of being brought to tears by what you watch, <laughs> there was a lot of meta and like self-referential moments in this episode. The episode seemed very aware that it was a television show and the 100th Episode of Supergirl, they emphasized like viewing formats and like watching the events in Kara's life through first a projector and then through streaming on a laptop. Mixy flicks. Yes. Um, and then beta mixy <laughs> tapes and then like radio and newspapers appearing on the screen, which especially for a show that makes a lot of references and like has Kara as a character and Brainy as a character be big fans of media in general, it was nice. Mm, yeah. And we know that Kara. Loves to like binge things with Alex and her friends. And, you know, to get to the crying part, <laughs> there was Kara like watching her own show essentially and crying along with Mr. It like, and eating popcorn and stuff like that. So that was nice. <laughs> we have a bit of solidarity. And then there were actually a lot of contrasts with things that have happened in the past in the show in particular with season two which was when Mr. Mitzipitlick
1: first appeared. Yes and I said as soon as the episode came out and we saw like the credits and stuff on it I was like oh this is gonna be a do-over to fix some things Mm. because this was the first episode of this season that the showrunners have any story credits on and one of them was tasked to write the season two episode and clearly didn't agree with some of the things they (laughs) did in it so
0: (laughs) yes uh. But in terms of contrasts with that episode in season two, when Mixie first appeared, there was this thread of like Kara redeeming others and her being concerned with whether or not someone important in her life was on the right path. In this season with Lena, and in season two with Monel, and it's interesting because Monel compares himself to Lena in this episode and says that they're a lot alike. That we've both been betrayed by our families, and talks about how it makes you feel so vulnerable.
1: Mm. And I'm glad they brought that up because I think that. Parents- was meant to be more clear in season two, mm. and it wasn't unless you kind of looked at it longer. But I think we made the joke before that both Monel's mother and Lena's family are equally good representations of a mother knows best from Tangled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talking about betrayal by your family. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that family also having some social issues. <laughs> yeah.
0: And also with uh, abusing your children. Yeah. And in season two, when Mixie first appeared, Kara was trying to redeem Monel. And the show, like, supported this endeavor, of Kara's that it was fine that Kara was entirely preoccupied with, like, fixing him <laughs> and making him into the perfect hero, although... <laughs> with limited success. <laughs> yes. But we know that she also told him when she thought something that he was doing wasn't all right. And we've seen Kara repeated with Lena sort of back down and kind of eventually agree with Lena's accusations.
1: Or just not deny them. I don't know that that's the same as agreeing. Well, eventually she always feels guilty for whatever the
0: situation is with, like, the kryptonite or... Well,
1: yeah, but that kind of falls back to the problem of her second-guessing herself. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. Yeah. But we see now Kara in the situation where
0: she had been second-guessing herself so much the show is supporting the idea that Lena's heroism, or you know, lack thereof, isn't actually Kara's doing. She can't make her into the hero that she wants her to be. So there's a bit of an Inverse of messages there. Mm. In a way I think that improves upon the text as it was.
1: Yeah, there was a big difference in that sense between episode 213 and this one, 513. My frustration when the first Mixes Pitlick episode came out was that you could have removed that episode from the season entirely, and nothing about Car Storyline would have been different at all. Mm -hmm. She's literally standing in the exact same place (laughs) in her apartment. <laughs> at the end of episode 12 and the end of episode 13. She was there. She didn't make any new decision. Like the whole experience with pit like the first time was just Kara being dragged along into all these weird situations where like dudes were fighting over winning her hand. Mm-hmm. Um, she was annoyed about it, but then she ended up not doing anything about it with the relationship. <laughs> yeah, so it was a stagnant episode. Nothing really changed in it. Nothing for Kara happened on a character level. But in this case, we actually see Kara having more agency over the experience and how it plays out. She gets to have her own emotional journey and she gets to move forward. And so that was a big difference mm-hmm. between the two that was appreciated. The other thing that was good to see was writing the fully realized version of Monel that I think was intended to exist and that the storyline just never carried through well to its full potential.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because with the character of Manuel, the writers seem to demonstrate, like, self-awareness with how the storyline played out initially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he was like, I never saw what you saw in him. <laughs> but then there's also a level of, obviously, love for the character and how they portray him as, you know, having grown, having good advice and being heroic. And then through the way that Kara reacts to him and how you can see that she has affection for him.
1: Well, I would also add the respect he has grown to have for Kara. Mm. Like, Yes.
0: So it's interesting for a 100th episode, which is like looking back on the show thus far and seeing them recognize like storytelling mistakes that they have made, but then within that also demonstrating a love for the characters.
1: In a way that makes them still feel consistent, but that also fixes in a way. <laughs> they're basically doing the same thing Kara is in this episode <laughs> in some ways. Uh, like, if we could go back and do it again, it's a really meta episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I just felt like it demonstrated this two sides of the coin where, like, yeah, there were nice times and then there were also mistakes.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And really embodying that idea that there is good and bad to everything and that it isn't so simple mm-hmm. and that there might be reasons why things are the way they are. Yes.
0: And then speaking of characters who have grown, Nixie, who says,
1: I can't just come in anymore. I have to be invited. Which I picked up last week and said that I appreciated as a change in tone. Mm. And that was like the first thing they led with this episode, which was awesome. <laughs> yes. And
0: then in another sort of meta sense and like reflecting back on the choices they made in season two, he says, I only took on that other form and sophisticated accent to impress you, which <laughs> felt so fitting considering the fact that the comic version of the character is like an older person with white hair.
1: Who's closer to this version. Yes. yes.
0: And they sort of cw him. Yeah. And made him... more conventionally attractive. And then he also takes responsibility for his past actions and saying it was despicable of him to pursue a woman who was not interested in him very clearly. that He misread the room and he's going to do better. And he says, like, it's tough to be an imp and I'm going to try for the rest of my days. And kind of recognizing things are hard, but it's my responsibility to be better, Mm -hmm. which is nice in terms of the theme of responsibility and in terms of trying to improve upon the things that you're working on, like a television show called Supergirl. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it was also nice to see Kara, Interact with two characters that she also met in season two, like Lena, and who were not the
1: best versions of themselves and who really appreciate her help. And who have grown as a result Mm -hmm. of being around her and seeing the way she approaches the world and other people. Going back to Kara and her innate sense of compassion and what it does for everyone, not just maybe for whatever she's focused on immediately in the moment. Yeah. And then you had a season two comparison. I did. I really appreciated Mixia's little. Joke about, well, not a joke. I mean, it was serious, but Kara taking control of the narrative because the Mixie episode from season two had a very explicit reference to Hamilton mm-hmm. and specifically dressed Monel up as Hamilton and showed the part where he gets shot for basically not listening. Yes. <laughs> um, but this was a line in reference to the only song in the show where Eliza, the main female character, gets to have her say. Mm. And so that was a nice again, kind of inversion of what had happened in the past. Yes. So that was cool. I did like how they came back to the motifs from each season when they were doing some of the flashbacky things, which was fun. Mm,
0: I like that also. And that line of like, wouldn't you like to see what the world would look like if you controlled the narrative reminded me of like fan fiction and how this episode seems to be communicating directly to the fans or making Statements about fans in general, a few times. For instance, we had Coville as kind of a not generally positive representation of fans and, and fanaticism.
1: Correct. And that's what he stood for the first time. Yes. And that apparently went over some people's heads the first time. <laughs> we talked about it in the Faith in Supergirl episode, which is, speaking of like flashbacks, one of our very earliest podcast episodes. <laughs>
0: Yes. And Goebbels like, he mentioned Supergirl and
1: Lena Luthor's divine victories. Right. And he's like, what could be better than one? Both of them together. (laughs) Both of them together. It's like, ooh, that metaphor is not subtle. No. And then
0: another more positive, sometimes representation of fans we saw in this episode was the Mr. Mitsupitlik himself. I particularly was amused by how he was crying along with Kara at Alex at her grave as they were like watching it. <laughs> My reaction was like, When Kara cries, we as an audience cry.
1: <laughs> I also just liked him like sneaking the box of tissues in and being just very over dramatic about yeah. it. <laughs>
0: It just reminded me of moments like let's take Alex wiping her memory or like Card dying <laughs> temporarily or like
1: <laughs> stuff like that. And it reminded me of what the actors have said about how like if one of them is crying the other one will be crying off camera. <laughs> yes. Like literally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it felt like kind of a nod to a lot of what we like about the show which is the depth of emotion. And Mixie says like emotions drama at one point it's like he's watching a TV show and no spoilers I'm loving this at <laughs> time one car is like what like this is my life car's like stop yeah (laughs) (laughs) which it was funny because he has a sort of level of detachment that we as an audience have where like we can Mm -hmm. joke about things that are very sad if they were like real things that happened you know so that was nice and then i thought his sort of lovely ending speech was a great sort of nod to fandom in general and what shows like Supergirl. Like what it does for people. Can mean for people, yes. He is like, before I met you, I was pretty lonely. And in that pain, I would tend to sort of force myself on people. And out there with you today, saving the world, I felt like I was liked for being me. I felt like I had friends. That was such a Supergirl speech. It was really cute. (laughs) Yes. And I thought it tied in nicely the idea of kind of found family in a way. But in reference to the groups of people who like the show, who make their own little families and have a special relationship with the media. And we also had some other miscellaneous thoughts about this episode.
1: Hmm. I kind of already said, I actually really liked the way they took the season two jumping off point and came up with interesting twists on the cult of Rao and their purpose and how they affected Kara's life. And also, The reason that Lockwood ended up becoming an extremist, both in the fact that he still did, Mm. but also in that it was different, but in a way that fit nicely. Yeah, I liked that. And then my other thing was just... A question about in the universe that I will refer to as the bad place. Fitting. Why was Lena kind of just casually ruling <laughs> National City like it was no longer part of the United States? Like, that's one of the things about <laughs> all the superhero shows that I always kind of have questions about. Like, everybody's like, my city. And I'm like, what about everywhere else? Uh, well, like, Supergirls <laughs> usually like a little bit better about being worldwide. They are. Oh, I guess because Rain was there. Maybe they just like took over the whole Earth, mm. like in a weird alternate of Earth X. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe Lockwood helped. Maybe Lena is secretly ruling the Earth First Party. I don't know. Um, Right? I just really liked that her aesthetic in that reminded me of, like, a cross between Mom, the evil dictator (laughs) character from Futurama, and also some of the villains from A Series of Unfortunate Events. (laughs) Yes. It was an A-plus aesthetic choice. And related to that, I deeply appreciated the commitment to the awkward wigs. (laughs) It's one of those things you tend to see more in, like, spy genre shows, but they really (laughs) leaned into it. Yeah. That and also the winter hats to keep everybody warm and also make it really obvious that this was an alternate universe. Mm, yes.
0: For <laughs> the wigs Right away from the first week that we saw Kara where we saw it on the projector, and it gave it such a sense of, like, Kara going back in time and then playing herself of the past. <laughs> like, Mixie snapped his fingers and put a wig on her.
1: <laughs> I like it. I accept. So it worked better than it might have. I also liked that they managed to sneak in some of the other kind of minor Characters from season four in different ways. Like Manchester wasn't there, but we did get a reference to the elite mm-hmm. through Hat's Hat. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of
0: references to beings from other dimensions, Mixie said, Thank Sook, which was Jean's imaginary. <laughs> Possibly friend or possibly not imaginary friend.
1: Yes. You know, I noticed it too, but nobody was commenting <laughs> on it Like when everyone was reacting and watching it live. Mm. And I was like, did I imagine it too? Is Jean's imaginary <laughs> friend really imaginary? Yes,
0: that's the answer.
1: But you remembered something that Marin had said about it. Yeah. Marin had been
0: describing... How Jean used to cheat at games, and this was during game night with the space fan. And apparently, Jean said that Zook moved the pieces around, and he described him as a fifth-dimensional int huh? who just popped in to move the pieces. So maybe Jean wasn't cheating.
1: <laughs> maybe he was telling the truth. Wow, well, mm-hmm. the secrets in that family, man! Right, <laughs> all the
0: secrets. Yes,
1: related to miscellaneous things that happened in this episode that we both enjoyed. We actually got an ask about one of them from Lila of Paper, and. She She says, Hi, Cycles and Vivi. I just want to know your thoughts on Jean and Alex's happy place, given that I remember you talking about paintball in the previous podcast episode. Yes,
0: I was very excited about that. I actually sent you, Vivi, a message. (laughs) You did. A cryptic message. Before you had watched it. (laughs) That something exciting
1: that we had just referenced happened. Yes. It was really, really perfect. It also gave me flashbacks to, like, I had like a laser gun Mm. kit as a kid that we used to play. So I was like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I support this activity.
0: <laughs> it was so fitting that it was their happy place in a way. So we lucked out there. And then we got another related question from an anonymous Tumblr user about this paintball fight. Who would win a paintball fight between Alex and John? Or if you can't decide who would be the best at paintball among the superfam.
1: Oh man, I feel like there's no fair way to answer <laughs> that question. Um
0: <laughs> <laughs> We actually had a discussion about this after our last episode in the Sunshine Protection Force, and I said that I thought John would win the most often, like if they played a bunch, he would come out on top the most, but that Alex would probably frequently, even though she doesn't have powers, get the jump on the other characters.
1: Which she did, actually, in the scene we saw. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she shot
0: Jean with paintball before he even registered where he was. (laughs) Pretty
1: solid, which is deeply amusing in the sense that We've seen her be like a freakishly good shot like that in other contexts before. And be competitive. <laughs> so Yeah, and she's super competitive. Like it had similar energy to her and Kara in like their rope climbing mm-hmm. contest in gym class back when they were <laughs> kids. Yeah. Cyclone Rachel asked why were the lights on Brainy's super suit red in the last alternate reality? Aesthetics, clearly. <laughs> well but we also saw indigos were like that. True. In season one. So I guess it's fitting then because of Indigo. But then
0: Lina had this whole aesthetic running of like red light in this Lena dictator universe. So perhaps it was an attempt to kind of signify whose team he was on.
1: Yes. Well I would also add that Nia did reveal to us that Lena forcibly realigned Brainy, Mm -hmm. and so that reset may have made him match what we saw of indigo with the similar kind of colors. Yes. An anonymous Tumblr
0: user asks, was it legal for Alina to say that she pleaded the Fifth on the subject of revealing Supergirl's secret identity?
1: Yes. So the Fifth Amendment protects you from self-incrimination, and she was protecting herself from committing perjury and having to go to jail by lying about saying that she didn't know, which is what she would have done otherwise. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: a <laughs> Killer sent us a question. I personally struggled with this episode. The 100th episode should, to me, have been focused on Kara and Alex, and instead was focused on Lena. Even though Kara was our point of view, the whole story centered on Lena. I enjoyed that Kara finally stood up for herself at the end, but it seemed like too little too late. So I would like to know what your ideal 100th episode would have been.
1: I'm trying not to laugh because I came home today and I was like, I have made peace with this episode and I know where they're going with it and I am totally okay. (laughs) This is what happens when you sing your feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy tips. (laughs) Like, yes, on the one hand it would be nice to see an episode that celebrates Kara and the other characters who have been there on that journey with her the whole time Mm -hmm. and presumably we will get that at some point, either later this season or in like the final season. And also so we don't know how much of the decision to do not a lot of that was related to not being able to get people because of scheduling or like weird other things. So on that, eh, um. <laughs> I mean, I certainly feel disappointed in the sense of it
0: being a milestone episode. And we kind of have the urge to Reflect back on what we see as the heart of the show, which is Kara, Alex, and Jean after all of these years. So I get that, but I have made peace with it.
1: (laughs) I think the place where I would have liked it to be fleshed out more was on that connection between Kara's identities as Kara Danvers, Kara Zor-El, and Supergirl, and her thinking about what that means to her. It was there in the abstract a little bit at the end when she talked to Jean and Alex about how they have been there with her for her whole journey Mm. of becoming Supergirl And those identities were all very wrapped up in why she had this conflict with Lena. And I get why Kara was so tunnel visioned on the negative part of it and not thinking about the positive parts of it. But I think that balance was missing Hmm. in a way.
0: Could have been used as a way to prove points to her to see the positive aspects. Hmm.
1: Well, especially in the context of they based it on the structure of It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. And I get that some of that is like showing the negative consequences of what would have happened if, you know, you weren't in people's lives. But there wasn't any focus on showing Kara the ripple effects that it would have had on her as a hero and her as a person outside of that until it was like, oh, and because you were focused on Lena, everyone you love died.
0: Yeah. I think they would have benefited from doing less alternate timelines and then spending more time in certain timelines and then Letting Car explore
1: a bit. I actually liked that they did one for each of the seasons, though. And I don't know how you would get around that. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a pros and cons kind of situation.
1: Yeah, it is. But I have to say, I liked what they did with the story that they ended up telling. Yeah, I agree. And... As much as
0: we followed Lena a lot, we were very much centered with Kara and her, like, emotional journey. Like, it wasn't about Lena as much as it has been in some other episodes that were supposed to be about Kara and Lena. I think I've missed so much being in Kara's point of view that <laughs> this actually was kind of refreshing.
1: Well, and I almost wonder if that's kind of the point, mm. because Mixie makes that point of saying, like, Kara's reclaiming the narrative a little bit. So... Mm, I like it. The fact... Act that she wasn't thinking of herself was then very likely on some level intentional, mm-hmm. at least up to a point, in the sense that she wasn't thinking of herself because that is something she is chronically not good at until people remind her to do it. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, focus and, and compassion and, and her family. And her family. Um, yeah. yeah, But that makes me excited for the rest of the season. Mm, especially knowing that some of those characters are going to get more to do and we're going to see how that connects to what's going on with Karen. So. Yeah. Do you have an ideal 100
0: episode that is sort of detached from what's already happening. I
1: think it would have been fun if it was like an episode in the style of Xena's A Day in the Life, which was just a normal day for these extra normal people, <laughs> kind of just doing the casual... Things in their lives that are not necessarily superheroing, but that are still like really fun and funny. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say that it would have fit in the way that they've built this season because it is so like dramatic. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But something that got back to the core emotional character work Mm. and revealed new insights about the characters to us would have been fun. I mean, like this revealed something important to us too, but I would have liked to see more information about more characters and less big like action type stuff i
0: think this has just occurred to me now that i would have liked to see something maybe revolving around krypton Mm -hmm. and that in relation to her earth identity i did like the conceit which was like changing events i don't know that i would want kara to try to
1: prevent krypton from being destroyed
0: or anything like that but
1: um, when she gets her turn with those vr contact lenses (laughs) cycles yes yes Maybe you'll get your wish. Isn't that a little bit like the Black Mercy, but not? Yeah. But my point is, like, I don't know that
0: I would kind of want her to see her make that decision, but I mm. would like to see maybe the results of it in some way. And it's a wonderful lifestyle type thing. And for some reason, I would have liked to have somehow we get Kat in and Kara finally finds out that she knows <laughs> that
1: she's Supergirl. Mm, that's true. Kara still doesn't know. Yeah. And then kind of directly related to this question of like, what would we want to see? We had an anonymous question. What is the what if you'd most like to see explored? You can pick one per season or maybe one per main character because that would also be fun. So, you want to try per character? Yes. Okay. My first thought for
0: Kara is the sort of death of Supergirl concept. Ooh. And kind of let it play out and see the ripple effects of it. Like, we got a taste of it in this episode, but I want to see the social impact. And, and what that would mean for the character. And then try to get some Kara back in the picture and like kind of in a, its a wonderful lifestyle,
1: learn something from it. Mm-mm. So let's see. For Kara, I would like to see a what if she actually ended up growing up with Clark. Oh, I like that. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> My Alex one I don't want to say <laughs> because there are hints that they may do something very close to it. Yeah, I know what you're thinking about. <laughs> yes. This is actually something that I planned back in the hiatus between seasons one and two and every single person who saw the outline for it screamed at me so (laughs) that's all i will say (laughs)
0: Uh, i think for alex i would like to see her maybe like growing up
1: with jeremiah oh like if he didn't disappear slash die yes Mm. it might
0: be interesting to have it be maybe eliza was the one who went away oh that's awful
1: (laughs) but yeah (laughs) i accept
0: Uh, um we have jean what if he had never met the danvers sisters oh that's sad <laughs> yes
1: it is <laughs> we'll get to sad what ifs later yeah. <laughs> too i would be curious to see a what if set somewhere maybe in season one where for some reason jean's powers stopped working oh. before he revealed that he was a martian human jean sort of interesting
0: for Brainy, I would like to see him go full brainiac and like we see the consequences of it for a while. I'd like to see him in a position of power while being like emotionless. <laughs> mm-hmm and see how far that
1: goes. Let's see. See, some of the newer characters, I feel like we don't have enough depth Mm -hmm. yet in that way. Once we spend some time with Nia. I know we are getting more Nia. Some of it will be backstory as well. So like, let's say it's a couple seasons down the line
0: and we know Nia pretty well. I'd like to see it then like contrasted with if her sister
1: got the powers. Oh, yeah. And like what she would be doing. That would be kind of fun to see a comparison of like Nia and her sister and then Kara and Alex. Oh, yes. With the what if about who's the one who has the powers and mm. everything. Mm. Oh, speaking of that, maybe James with powers like as a hero. Oh, like if they never went away. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, that could be really fun. Oh, what if for Win? What if Wynne had actually been adopted by a family that liked him? <laughs> Um, Which is terrible, but also would have made a really interesting commonality with Mm, Kara in a way. That's something I wish they had just – there's a what if. What if they had developed more? (laughs) Kara and (laughs) Win's friendship.
0: For Lena, it would be interesting to see her as a version of her adult self who was raised by her birth mother.
1: Mm, True. I was kind of thinking the other day about a scenario where, like, Lena has to – be answerable to her childhood self. Mm, I like it. Or just like her at different stages of her life, like how would they be judging yes. her in the present? It'd be kind of an interesting thing to see, especially with all these experiments with alternate realities and messing with everyone's sense of time and place. It'd be a kind of cool thing to explore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a general what if, like maybe some of the characters with their younger selves, would be fun to
1: see them all on the screen mm. at the same time, like <laughs> we've had the young actors. That is true. So then our final question, which we saved for a reason that will become apparent in a moment, is from Bat206. In the alternate universe where Kara dies, what was in the bag Alex brought to her grave? Pot stickers? A slice of Eliza's chocolate pecan pie? (laughs) Turkey. I lost my mind <laughs>
0: when <laughs> Alex brought food to Kara's grave. It's like the saddest thing <laughs> ever, and I really like this pitch of pecan pie that you mentioned, bat two hundred six, because of Alex being like annoyed that yeah. Eliza made it all the time because she thought that like Kara was her favorite and she always got her favorite pie, and then her kind of being like, "Oh, here's this thing that I got annoyed you about. Here it is."
1: It was so awful, but in like the Best way? <laughs> <laughs> well, because like, remember in season two, we have that cute little moment of Alex and Kara trying to give Jean leftovers mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving, but also with Alex with the little paper bag reminded me very much of the episode in season one where Alex is like stressed about being the acting director when Jean's been kidnapped, yeah. and Kara flies and gets her like her favorite thing in a bag and brings it to her at the DEO to like make her feel better, and it hurt in all the right ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, Kudos. Good job, guys. <laughs> uh, as for what was in it, I also think probably pie.
0: Yeah, we made a whole video about how Carl likes pie. <laughs> or maybe just a little bit of everything from Thanksgiving. Yeah,
1: I don't know. That bag would not have held up if it was. <laughs> no, but I mean, like a little bit. <laughs> like literally it's a like bite. It's a ceremonial
0: act. It's not actually going to reach up and eat it. <laughs> It's like a Kara portion of, of everything. <laughs> that into food that she comes back to life. Oh, maybe that's what Alex is thinking.
1: Hang on, I wanna build on this whole Alex at Kara's grave thing and just connect it back to Kara and her cultural belief that like you have to remember people mm. after they've died in order for them to be like at rest. And so that was nice too. Yeah. And it's also fitting because recently they've really been playing up like
0: Alex, Kara, and John all sitting and eating together and how they made a point of it. So it
1: was very fitting. Here's a question for you. Yes. Has Kara taught Alex and or Eliza the Kryptonian prayer for the dead? Um, I don't know. I don't know that she – I feel like she might want to, but would she feel like they could say it and it would have the effect of like what she believes needs to happen? Um
0: love bonds us all probably you know true I don't think at like the start of season
1: one she would have she may have since true because she didn't talk a lot no. about too many of those things until really that moment in season three where Alex kind of caught her at it mm-hmm. she might not have yet but she might one day maybe <laughs> maybe right after she died briefly <laughs> you mean at the end of season four yeah, yeah.
0: and on this happy note <laughs> <that wraps laughs> oh up. my god stop no <laughs> that wraps up our episode on it's a super Super life, the 100th episode of Supergirl. And we will be back in two weeks
1: for episode
0: 14 of season five, The Bodyguard.
1: So during that break, if you want to send us any more of your questions and comments about the 100th episode or season five in general, or your theories on where you think the rest of the season is going to go, mm-hmm. you can send them to us at Supergirls Attic on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram. And thanks for listening.